the CFP committee is the Mean Girls. <laughs> Just in case Coastal can't play, we should call the Pac-12 and ask them to be our backup. Yeah, great idea. <laughs> Never fear, Brooklyn is here. <laughs> By the way, are you in a suite right now? Because that looks like a really large yeah. room, money bags. Welcome to the show. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Our next guest is a man who did not duck this interview. He wants to make up with Cougar Nation. He is calling for Athletic Director Tom Homel to be the AD of the Year. He is uh, the Editor-in-Chief of the Athletic College Football and co-host of the Audible Podcast, which today discussed the matchup between Coastal Carolina and BYU. And he's on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. He was Stuart Mandel. Stuart, great to have you back on the show. It's been an interesting two weeks, hasn't it? It has. I, I guess I stumbled into uh, a little bit of my self-inflicted controversy, but I'm, <laughs> at the end of the day, I just wanted BYU to play a really good game, and here we have it. Yeah, and that's exactly right. Uh, UW obviously was uh, complicated. So I wanted to ask you, did BYU get the goodwill back that maybe it lost in the UW situation for a minute there? I think so. I mean, uh, I mean, I remember the, that last week or the week before, Chris Manini and I had a whole thing about like a point-counterpoint on why they should play Cincinnati, why the two of them should play each other. And, you know, Coastal not ranked quite as high as Cincinnati, but it's a top 25 team. It's game day. I mean, this couldn't have worked out any better. I, I feel a little guilty saying that because it took probably a bunch of Liberty players and coaches getting COVID, and you don't ever want that. But um, the, the game that we have now, uh, obviously, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a bigger game than, than BYU-Washington would have been. How much will what happens between the Chanticleers and BYU impact what the college football playoff committee does in the third poll of this very interesting 2020 college football season? I think if BYU wins, it's what the committee needed to see to justify ranking them higher. I mean, I have to think that the people, they do watch the games like they say, and I have to believe that they think BYU is really good, but they just don't think they can justify ranking them higher based on what is basically kind of a, a mid to low level group of five schedule. Um, now this is a group of five game, but it's a team that the committee respects enough to have ranked in its top 20 an undefeated team this late in the season. I mean, you hear them all the time when they're talking about why they have a team ranked where they do, they have X number of top 25 wins. So here you go. Here's your chance for that win. And it's not like they have to move that much higher. Uh, they're 13. Now you probably have to get to 11 in the final ranking. Uh, to be high enough. So certainly I think it would, I got to finish the job against San Diego state, but you know, those two should do it. Yeah. It's interesting because the Boise state win is completely discredited by the committee because. Which is ridiculous. Right. Boise state was playing with Cade Fennigan, who's actually a a return missionary of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, two-star guy that BYU didn't look at, but he ends up starting the game. He's the four string guy. I didn't know that he played defense for Boise State as well. Yeah, it, it's weird, right? BYU would have two wins at the time against top 25 teams. It wasn't the playoffs top 25 for Boise State. But uh, if BYU beat San Diego State, like you said, you feel like if BYU is sitting there um, undefeated on December 20th, they are a New Year's Six team. I do. Um, when I did my bowl projections this week and I had Iowa State as that last um, team in the Fiesta Bowl, you know, that was a, an Iowa State team that would have three losses. I didn't want to do that. I don't think that's right. But, you know, and you saw the committee move them up to number nine. Uh, I just felt like 
they're why would they change their mind you know even if they lose in the big 12 title game that they're that much a better team than byu but um this changes it you know this is the resume this is this is all we were hoping byu would be able to pull off and tom holmo and i do think he should be ad of the year for all the scheduling miracles he's made this is this is exactly what they needed to kind of seal the case Stuart, can you put in perspective just how strange and almost unbelievable this is for BYU and Coastal Carolina to pull off something like this with some dynamic scheduling. I know with COVID and everything, it, we're all kind of turning over rocks that we haven't before, but put this into perspective of just how unique this is. It's the most 2020 thing yet in this 2020 season. <laughs> you know, we, we've learned this year, we're so accustomed to schools announcing their, their home and homes and whatever, you know, 15 years in advance. And this is the year that we learned that if you really want to, you can create a brand new non-conference matchup on a week's notice or, or even less. And um, I think the, actually the strangest thing was when Cal played UCLA, um, like on 36 hours notice and Cal Cal's defensive line had been in quarantine for two weeks. But um, I mean, I just, just the perfect storm that had to happen for, for this, for game day to announce they're going to coastal and then the team they're going to play. Uh, I mean, at one point earlier this week, we on the, I can't remember if it was on the podcast or just had that conversation internally, but like what happens when the game day game gets canceled? But fortunately, they all parties involved already had a contingency plan. And, and like I said earlier, you end up with a better game than you would have had. Yeah, and certainly ESPN jumped in and helped BYU get this. That relationship helped. Not having conference affiliation issues helped. So certainly BYU's situation was a benefit in this case. Yet we look at the matchup and go, okay, BYU fans feel pretty confident going into this game. Vegas does for BYU too. But Coastal Carolina's been pretty good. 9-0 teams, a couple of really good quarterbacks. Grayson McCall, Richard Freshman's been awesome. Like one interception and 20 passing touchdowns. What do you think of the matchup here? Coastal's really good. I, I, I get why BYU's favored, and, and certainly that's who I picked. But I don't think uh, it would be a mistake to think, oh, they're just a, a, a lowly Sunbelt team. They are a team that... Um, that I've been tracking since the very first game when they played Kansas and blew them out uh, in, in um, the, I forget how early in September that was, but not a lot of teams were playing yet. They have a lot of speed on both sides of the ball. Grayson McCall is really good. And I think that the really um, interesting wrinkle to this, we, a lot of this is going to come down to which staff can prepare their team on two days notice, which team, which staff can put together a game plan um, you know, in these very unusual circumstances. And the thing with Coastal is they have a really innovative offense. Um, I heard uh, Jake Spavital, the Texas State coach, they had him on Sports Center last night, describe it as a spread option. And that is pretty a pretty good um, way to describe it. There's a lot of triple option aspects to it, even though um, they're in the shotgun and, and obviously they have a really good passing game. It's not just the run. So, you know, they're, BYU's going to have to um, – be ready for that on, on defense. So BYU is the more talented team. They've got a first round quarterback. Uh, there's no question about that, but there are some uh, things that coastal does that can be really tricky. Do you expect a shootout tomorrow between the Cougars and Chanticleers? Um, I, you know, you would think that in a situation like this on short notice, it definitely favors the offense. Um, you know, it's probably not realistic that these defenses are going to have everything figured out uh, about the other teams. So yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I could absolutely, I could absolutely see that. Yeah. Do you feel like Cougar Nation has brought you back in, Stuart? <laughs> I hope so. I didn't. I didn't really mean to to 
to, to, to fall out of favor so quickly. I mean, if you guys know my work, like I've been on the, the BYU bandwagon all season. This wasn't about um, that. I don't think they're good or I think they're overrated or anything like that. I, um, in fact, let's just once and for all clear up the context on the ducking comment. That tweet was sent maybe an hour after Dabo Swinney had his bizarre comment that he thought Florida state uh, was avoiding the game. You know, they, they, they should have played. They, they, one COVID case shouldn't be enough to cancel a game. And he accused Florida State of ducking them. And so when I saw the thing about Washington, I was like, no, this is what ducking looks like. And I guess I never lived it down since. But um, <laughs> like I said, all I ever wanted was exactly what has ended up happening, a game like this. It all ties into South Carolina, right? It was Clemson and now it's That's Coastal. Good yeah. point. It's all it's all tied together. <laughs> well, listen, you're back in. We hope that Boney Fuller stops tweeting, uh, you know, clown pictures of you uh, at you. I, I think he's brought you back in, and and Cougar Nation embraces that. That's so, who created the clown picture? I didn't. I don't know the origins of it. Yeah, it's it's a BYU <laughs> fan account that tweets funny stuff. So yeah, well, okay. we we appreciate the time. Great insight. Of course, uh, everyone can check out the uh, the Audible podcast, which is awesome. And of course, you work on the athletic. So, Stuart, thanks for the time, man. All right, thanks for having me. Okay, that was Stuart Mandel on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Spencer, great to have him on the show. He's never avoided us or anything. He made the comment. We just got the full context. So now we know, right? Now we know. We've hugged it out virtually. It's all good. <laughs> Stuart, Stuart we, we welcome you back into the BYU Sports Nation fold. Hey, he never left. And I'm excited. He never left. Oh, it's, tr- it's true. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. A dream scenario and opportunity. Maybe that sounds a little bit like hyperbole, but for BYU football, I don't know how much better it can get when you're three days out from a game and you're not sure if you're going to play, then you stumble into ESPN College Game Day, top 20 showdown, two 9-0 undefeated teams. Jerem, is this the game that validates BYU's legitimacy as a New Year's Six Bowl team? Who the heck would have predicted that Coastal Carolina might be that opportunity for BYU? But the Chanticleers... And their teal field have presented an opportunity that BYU could not have had a better one this week. Listen, believe it or not, Coastal Carolina is a team that is perceived as better than all the Pac-12 teams right now in terms of ranking. Are you kidding me? This could not have been better for BYU. And I want to disagree with one word you just brought up, stumbled into. I think BYU and ESPN's relationship actually connected this. I think this wasn't random. I think as soon as Liberty had an issue that ESPN probably reached out to BYU and said, listen, we think this is a good opportunity. Do you want it? We'll, we'll connect it. Game day is going to be there. Tom Homel admitted as much in the press release. I think this was a, a benefit of the relationship with ESPN. I don't think this was random. We know that Tom Homel had uh, several uh, you know, opportunities out there this week. This is probably the best one BYU could have had because there's not some Power 5 league and its stipulations like Washington in the Pac-12 that prevented this from happening. And now BYU is going to play a team in the top 20 with college game day there. I know it's Coastal Carolina, but if BYU can win this game uh, you know, by double digits, and they are favored by double digits in an initial uh, line put out by Brett McMurphy, perhaps the committee goes, okay, at Boise State, 
at Coastal Carolina. They won on the two other non-green fields. They won against ranked teams at the time, and perhaps this puts BYU in a position where they can be in the top 10 with attrition on December 20th. Yeah, fair point. Maybe stumble is the wrong word. And uh, last night, in my mind, I was comparing it to BYU being in the standby line, uh, waiting to get on a flight. So, yeah, the Cougars waiting, ready, and hoping that an opportunity would arise. But because the Cougars play in the ESPN Independent Conference and have been a good partner with the worldwide leader, yes, this is a golden opportunity for ESPN, too, to say, okay, yeah, let's have two 9-0 teams meet in December, not for a conference championship, but to try and validate what they're doing in the college football playoff rankings. The storylines surrounding this game are massive. So, yeah, BYU ready, waiting, willing, and now we think that the Cougars will be prepared. But you can throw that whole idea of, well, is BYU going to have enough time to get ready for this game? Because Coastal Carolina is going through the same thing right now. In fact, BYU practiced last night from about 7 to 9 p.m., so they already have one practice specifically designed for Coastal Carolina under their belts. This I cannot think of a better scenario for BYU, given all of the circumstances, than to get into this game. Tell me a more realistic and better option that is out there. And this one was outside of the box. You know, I was thinking maybe USC if they can't play Washington State. Maybe UCLA if the Bruins can't play Arizona State. This carries national cachet because of those little numerical numbers. uh, If that's the thing, yeah, uh, Department of Redundancy Department. But those little numbers in front of the teams, number 13 versus number 18. And as you said earlier, Jeremy, if you're going by AP rankings – This is a top 15 showdown. I don't think it could get any better for BYU in a realistic scenario than this game this Saturday. This is exactly what BYU needed. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Iowa State in a top 20 showdown when they sneak past Texas jumped four spots in the college football playoff rankings for beating the Longhorns, for eking out that game. So will the college football playoff committee hold true to that standard if BYU wins a top 20 showdown on the road? Will they jump the Cougars three or four spots? That's going to be something to watch. But first things first, you've got to take care of business and win the game. We know the answer to that. It's no. It's Coastal Carolina. Like, this is awesome. They've had an amazing year. They they – Joined the Sun Belt and FBS four years ago, three and nine, five and seven, five and seven. Now they're nine and zero. Oh. They're this high because they're undefeated and because COVID. If everyone had played the games they had played, they would be ranked, but probably barely. So the, Coastal Carolina is doing what BYU's done. They've taken advantage of the situation. They sprinted out to play more games, win all of them. By default, they got they got to be uh, ranked. But Coastal Carolina is pretty good, man. They, they beat Kansas start the year. That got on the radar. Everyone beats Kansas, but still, Power 5 went on the road for the Chanticleers is a big deal, especially when you're coming off 5-7, five 5-7, and 3-9, and and right? And then they beat ranked Louisiana. They're still going to play ranked Louisiana in the Sun Belt title game, by the way. Hats off to the Sun Belt. We love the Sun Belt. It's going to be the third team BYU plays this year. Common opponent, one of them. Texas State, it was last week. BYU beat Texas State 52-14. Coastal Carolina beat Texas State 49-14. So on paper, these two teams look even. I feel like where BYU is going to win the game is in the trenches. I feel like BYU's offensive line is going to 
be able to handle its business in this game. The defensive line and the backers. But Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina, is their quarterback, he's pretty good, dude. Pretty good. 67% passer, 25 total touchdowns. Five of those are rushing. He can run the rock. They, they have 23 touchdowns rushing and passing. So balance. This is going to be a fun matchup. I still think BYU wins this by double digits. I think this is a veteran squad that has already defeated Navy, Houston, and Boise State on the road by 17-plus in all three games. I don't see why this is going to be any different. The Cougars are also playing with the ultimate chip on the shoulder because of the disrespect in the college football playoff rankings. And I choose that word very carefully because they do feel absolutely disrespected. It's kind of the mentality of what's – well, what else are they going to come up with? Now, this is just the next golden opportunity for BYU to prove that they deserve to jump in these rankings. So I'm, I am fascinated by all of this because of what happened with Iowa State. Now, a side note, Iowa State lost to Louisiana by 17 on their home field, Jerem. Guess who Louisiana lost to? Coastal Carolina. Coastal. That's right. Transitive properties, baby. Transitive properties on display, and that's being talked about according to several <laughs> national analysts. Like, look, don't overlook Coastal. They can play. They beat Louisiana, who beat Iowa State handily at Iowa State. So how will the committee handle all of this? Now, the stakes are clear for BYU. If they win this game, you would think, you would think this solidifies their New Year's Six status because – it's a top 20 game, and it would be on the road again, and it keeps the narrative going that BYU has played all of their toughest games on the road at Navy, at Houston, at Boise State, now at Coastal Carolina. This will be the second-ranked opponent that BYU faces. And the shot declares they don't have to give up potentially losing a conference championship, but they can raise their stakes if they beat BYU and Cincinnati loses, then all of a sudden they're in the conversation for a New Year's yep. Six game. So it benefits both teams. It's incredible how this all came together because BYU needed a very specific scenario. ESPN got involved, game day's there, and it benefits both teams. Also, Coastal Carolina's not going to lose out on a potential conference championship game if they lose to BYU. So, I mean, so many things had to fall into place, but that's kind of how it feels like it's been the whole year for BYU. The dominoes have fallen in the right direction most ways. And how about Tom Homo for Athletic Director of the Year? Incredible stuff that the he's wa- been able to do. The weight was worth it. The weight was worth it. Tom Homo's had so many, uh, you know, whatever's in the fire uh, all year trying to get games. And here BYU gets a team that is ranked higher than any Pac-12 team, right? Uh, all that happened. And BYU gets game day. Listen, this is the worst thing ever for Utah fans. This is the worst thing ever. <laughs> BYU's 9-0. They're in the New Year's Six discussion, which Utah was last year but didn't make it in, lost the last two games, right? Utah fans are going, really, Coastal Carolina? Yes, they're ranked higher than any Pac-12 team. Game day's there. This is freaking awesome, Spencer. <laughs> I love everything about this. Stuart Mandel, I was talking about some of the tweets that are coming out, and he doubles down on what I was just talking about. If BYU wins and beats San Diego State, they will definitely make the New Year's Six. Who knows? Maybe the the committee will even gasp, move them above Tulos, Georgia. Got to take care of business, Jerem. (laughs) Next Tuesday's college football playoff rankings following uh, a hypothetical BYU in here make that show, that reveal, very, very interesting. Cannot wait for this game on Saturday. And then on the other side of that, if BYU loses, 
they look like a uh, like a pretender, right? Um, that'd be embarrassing. So obviously BYU needs to show up for this one, but I don't see why BYU is not going to do what they've done all year, with the exception of UTSA, is win by a large amount. I th- I think Coastal's good. I think BYU is very good, if not great. We're gonna find out. <laughs> We're gonna find out on Saturday. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. All right, Jeremy, let's get to our prop picks presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. All right, number one. Let's recap here. Who makes the first three-point play, not just three-point shot for BYU, against Utah Valley? I said it was going to be Connor or Alex Barcelo. Jeremy, you said Connor Harding. We were both wrong. It was Trevin Nell for three with 9.50 to play in the first half. Although Alex was the second to make it, and he took a shot. I thought I had it, man. <laughs> okay, number two, more points for BYU in the first or second half. We both said second half. We were right. 44. It was six more in the second half. BYU turned it on. All right, and at number three, more fouls or offensive rebounds for Caleb Lohner. Woo! By the skin of my teeth here, Lohner had three offensive rebounds and only two fouls, to which I congratulated him after the game, and he raised his arm and said, I know, right? Only two fouls. So I have a two-to-one lead. He told me he was going to get five offensive rebounds, so he still has some work to do, but he he missed one of his own bunnies and got it back, and that was the difference. That was the difference. Come on! <laughs> okay, Jerem, now with a two-to-one lead, we go into the BYU versus USC prop picks and bring in Ben Bagley. Ben, what do you have for us? All right, guys, we'll start with this with prop pick number one. The question is, who will lead the team in assists today? But it leads us to an interesting stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Kobe Lee currently leads the team with 12, re- 12 assists on the season. I'm a Kobe Leaver. Wow. Who didn't have Colby Lee as the team assist leader after three We all games? had that. Come on. We all nailed that one. All right, Jeremy, who, who's going to be the guy that leads the team today? Brandon Averett. I think he'll have an increased role as a distributor today. He will lead the team in assists. I agree with you. It will be Brandon Averett. And just to remind people, we don't oh. know each other's picks until this moment. So we are in agreement, uh, an agreement, rather, Averett with the most assists today. Okay, Ben, number two. This does this no good if we have the same answer? All right, number two. More field goals, fouls, or made free throws for Richard Harward? All right, Jeremy, I'm going to go first here, and I'm going to say made free throws by Richard Harward. I think he's going to get fouled inside, and he's going to make at least four free throws today. Field goals. I think he's going to just get some O boards laying in, baby. Okay, so a difference there. Hallelujah. Ben, number three. All right, last one. Over under 75 points given up by BYU today against USC. I'm going to go over, and I think this is aggressive. But I think because BYU loves to run, and I think USC is going to try and run with BYU, they match up well, that USC will hit at least the 75-point mark. Doesn't mean that BYU is not going to win, but I think USC is going to get to 75 today. I'll go under, mainly for the sake of being different, because it's boring if we have the same answers and there's no point. 
but I will go under. I think it'll be a grinder, and I think BYU defensively is just awesome today. USC shoots like 42%, and BYU ekes out a single-digit win. Okay, now we've been mentioning that these prop picks carry consequences. We literally have compiled together the will of consequences, and it is in Studio B. (laughs) So based on what happens this week... We will spin this thing, and we will have to live out a consequence if we are on the losing side of uh, these prop picks. So <laughs> some weird stuff on there, man. People are like, what in the world? School photo? Co-host choice? Top? Bu- oh, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's you're gonna going find down. Out. It's going down. It's, it's, it's going to get weird, which is kind of the main goal of this show. <laughs> Let's recap our prop picks with consequences at some point for the USC game and then make some more picks for today's St. John's game for BYU. As always, presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Going into yesterday's game against USC, Jeremy, I had a 2-1 to lead over you. Now things get a little bit more interesting. So let's recap. Number one. Who will lead BYU in assists? Both you and I said Brandon Averett, so that's a push. He did. Then, Jerem, at number two, more field goals, fouls, or made free throws by Richard Harward. It was... It was Alex Barcella who led with four. We oh, both missed correction. It my fault. It was my fault. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more field goals, fouls, and made free throws by Richard Harward. He went 0 for three from the field. Zero fouls. Two free throws. You said free throws. I made field goals. All I need is for him to make three shots. <laughs> I've never cared That's more tough. about free throws in a thirty-point blowout loss more than I did at that moment yesterday. Number three. Over under 75 points given up by BYU against USC. I took the over. USC went nuts in the second half after only scoring 31 in the first 20 minutes, and they finished with 79. You had the under. So I take two more points and extend my lead now 4-1. to one. So it all comes down to today. You need a sweep, my friend. How are you feeling about it? Not good. I took the under just to be different. Uh, not because I believed it. So there you go. Uh, number one. <laughs> Which player will have the greatest scoring difference from USC to the St. John's game? What do you think? Uh, for me, I'm going to go Alex Barcelo, who only had eight points yesterday. I think Alex gets back up to around his season average. He'll have 16 or 18. He'll be plus eight in that category. I go Connor Harding. He had a donut like I did. I think he'll have eight or ten points today as well. Okay. Number two, who will lead the BYU Cougars in plus minus today? I'll go Alex Barcelo. I think he'll be on the court a lot today because it's Wednesday, not Thursday. He'll be able to play probably like 35 minutes if they want. I've got Brandon Averett today. I think that uh, he's a distributor. He does a lot of good things. He makes BYU better like Alex Barcelo when he's on the floor. So if it's not A-B, I think it's going to be B-A. Okay, and last but not least, how many second-chance points will BYU have today? Price is right rules. Closest without going over. Well, BYU had exactly zero yesterday against USC, so I'm being affected by that a little bit. I, I'm going to say eight second-chance points against a very scrappy athletic St. John's team. Eight second-chance points for the Cougars. I was going to say 12 if I can't go over, but I want to get closest. I'm going 14. I think Gideon George and Caleb Lohner and Matt Harms and Richard Harwood, they'll get some old boards, and they'll actually score points today off those. 
Okay, so you're going 14 for BYU, and I've got eight. Those are your prop picks for today's game between the Cougars and the Johnnies. The will of consequences awaits, Jerem. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I'm going to lose, and I, we're going to have to spin it. I'm not sweeping. I'm not sweeping. I sweep at my house. My daughter spills muffins on the ground every day. I sweep there. Never know. You never know. Today, the Cougar Whip Round deals with prop picks. We'll be doing this on Fridays. That's the day of reckoning. If we have a tie, nobody spins the wheel of consequence, which we will show you here in a second. But if someone loses the previous week of games, that person will spin the wheel and have to do that thing for the rest of the segment. So before we spin the wheel... Or the will, depending on where you're from. Let's recap the St. John's game and see where we are. All right, number one, Jerem. We asked the question, which player will have the greatest scoring difference between the USC and St. John's games? I said Alex Barcelo. You said Connor Harding. This was really close, but Barcelo was plus 12 from game one to game two, so he just edges out Connor Harding, who went plus 11. I take the point there. Okay, who will, the, who will lead the Cougars in plus minus against St. John's? Uh, Alex Barcelo is what I said. You said Brandon Avery. Spencer Johnson had the best plus minus at uh, plus nine. All right, no point awarded there. And then how many second chance points will BYU have against St. John's? It was the Price is Right rules, so closest without going over. We were both wrong, Jeremy. You said 14, I said 8. Yeah, we just missed on that one. They had always, three second chance points. You always it's got issues three. there. Yeah. Okay, that means you won the uh, first week of prop picks. It was really close. It was 5-1. to one. So, okay, I will now spin the wheel and suffer the consequence. Here we go. Spin! None of these are like, wheel. shave steps in your, or shave your eyebrow or anything, or shave your head, so that's good. No, sh- no shaving. Come on, I, big money! I, I, I sp- this is going to take 20... This is an hour-long show. Okay, what does it say? Oh, oh, it's spinning backwards! It changed! Okay, it's settled. Co-host choice! You get to choose! Oh. Any of these things. Do you, need, do you need them again? Choice. Third person, helmet on, low rider, oh, fight song, school see. photo, elite tweet, let- sweaty buddy, <laughs> track hat... Jeremy, I'm, I'm going to uh, ask you to loosen the top button, my friend. Got it. <laughs> look, at that, look at that chest here I don't have. You've, ne- you've never looked better. You've never looked better. <sighs> feel like the Angel Moroni now. All right, we now reset the board and present our prop picks for the Utah State game. Ben Bagley, what's up? I almost feel like I need to do my top button up just so it's represented on the show, but I'm not going to. Let's start with this first prop pick. These are five picks having to deal with both the football and hoops game tomorrow. Number one, the first BYU Cougar to score in the football game tomorrow. Who will it be? I'm going with Tyler Algier, Ben. Wait, and so am I. So I thought we weren't going to do the same one. I'll say Zach Wilson, so there's a different one. All right, number two. <laughs> Who will lead the Cougar in t- Cougars in tackles? Oh, Jeremy, if you say Isaiah Kafusi, then I'm going to pick somebody else. So did you pick Isaiah Kafusi? No, Keenan Peely. Okay, all right. All right, number three. More BYU football sacks, Zach Wilson rushing TDs, or Colby Lee three-point attempts? 
got to be Colby Lee three-point attempts. I think he's going to chuck up a ton from beyond the arc in the spectrum against Utah State. A ton? It's got to be two-plus, I guess. That's probably pretty reasonable. I go Zach Wilson rushing TDs. I think he has multiple tomorrow. All right. Who will be BYU's second-leading scorer in hoops against Utah State? Ooh, this one was tough for me. So uh, I'm going to go with Connor Harding. I think he's going to have a nice performance against the Aggies. Colby Lee for three a couple of times. But, no, he's going to get a lot of buckets inside. He's not going to draw Namias Keta, who will guard Matt Harms. And the last one, who of these three will have more points and rebounds combined tomorrow against Utah State? Is it going to be Caleb Lohner, Colby Lee? Or Richard Harwood. Uh, give me the dude that looks like Bill from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Whoa. Caleb Lohner is going to be most excellent. Okay. I think Big Idaho, Colby Lee, is going to be there as well. A lot of Colby Lee love in this. Okay. So there we go. So we'll have Saturday's game, and then we'll have Wednesday's game against Boise State. Then we'll spin it again. I, so this is to the end of the segment. So we are now almost done with the segment. So that is good news for all of us. <laughs> no, we don't have to end this segment. Let's just keep it going. I Let's just talk feel about weird. Oh, you oh we got to wrap man. it up. They just said it. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We now welcome in on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline one of those guys that will be playing on December 5th for BYU football. Jerem, his name is Troy Warner, BYU senior defensive back. Troy, great to have you back on Zoom. Let's start with the time frame of when you first heard that a game against Coastal Carolina was available. When did you first hear about all of this? Uh, yeah, I mean, I heard that it could have been a possibility uh, just late yesterday, you know, kind of in the evening, and uh, we we kind of all heard about it as a as a team, and you know, just hearing about it made us excited. So glad that we get the opportunity. And you guys had a rare night practice to just get one in, right? Because it's gonna it's it's all kind of late, but you guys have been hoping you were going to get a game, so. What has it been like waiting and then finally finding out, okay, there's a strong possibility we could play this game, and then, okay, it's official we're playing this game? Yeah, I mean, the mindset all week has been, you know, we're going to get an opportunity and so to, to, to prepare as if you're going to play. And uh, I think a lot of uh, everybody on this, on this team has done a, a great job of, of just kind of preparing themselves mentally and physically and uh, just, just getting ready for an opportunity like this. In a crash course thus far on Coastal Carolina, what do you know about the Chanticleers and what they're going to try and do when you take them on just outside of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina? Yeah, I mean, obviously you've seen what they've been able to do on both sides of the ball, and, and uh, their record speaks for themselves, uh, speaks for itself. Um, they're very talented. They've got a great QB and, and great skill position as well as, uh, as, well as you know, linemen and, and running backs on offense. And then on defensively, they – they do a great job as well. Their assignment sound and, and they're well coached. And uh, this is going to be a great matchup for us. And we're just, you know, very thankful that we're able to play this game. Troy, this might be the best quarterback that BYU has faced all year in Grayson McCall. The dude has 25 touchdowns, 67% passer, 10 yards per attempt down the field. 
And then he can run a little bit, too. He's got a couple hundred yards rushing. So uh, what do you think of the matchup against a quality quarterback like Grayson McCall? Yeah, I mean, just, just watching uh, some film on him, he's a uh, – he makes really good decisions, and uh, for being a redshirt freshman, I've been really impressed with with his play, and uh, he's been a huge uh, part in their success. And he presents a, a great opportunity for us on the back end, as well as uh, you know what he does with um, you know just his quick game and his decision making for for the rest of the defense. And uh, you know it's a it's a great opportunity, like I said, and and we're excited for this, and uh, we were hoping for for a game this week, and glad we got this opportunity. Opportunity is the word of the day for sure, especially when you consider that ESPN College Game Day will be there. The national exposure, a lot of eyeballs on two 9-0 teams meeting very late in the season. It just doesn't happen very often. So, Troy, what type of opportunity does BYU have here to go out and prove themselves if uh, you haven't already? Yeah, uh, like you said, college game day, you know, a top 20 matchup. Uh, as a college football player, these are these are moments that you live for, and especially, you know, being a senior, there's nothing more that I could ask for. Uh, and, you know, like I said, uh, I'm just very thankful that we're able to play and, and uh, can't, wait to, can't wait to get after it against these guys. Is it harder to prepare for a team that has balance like Coastal Carolina? They have 23 passing touchdowns and 23 rushing. The, like, exact balance, right? Or would you rather play a team where you know they're just going to chuck it and you're going to drop eight? Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a tough question. Uh, kind of like I said, they, they present a lot of different um, things on offense and, and a lot that we have to prepare for in, in a short time. But, um, you know, we, we prepared ourselves for moments like these and – and uh, this is a challenge that we're we're going to take head on, and and um, you know we're going to prepare as much as we can before this game comes. Um, but very soft, uh, very very excited about what this off- offense can do, and and uh, a great challenge for us defensively, uh, just to sh- just to kind of show what we're we're capable of doing. What's the travel agenda for you and the rest of your BYU football teammates and coaches as you make your way out to Conway, South Carolina? I wish I had an answer for you, but uh, we actually we actually don't even have a schedule yet. Um, at least at least us players, we're waiting for that to kind of get sent out to us. So uh, just kind of waiting and and uh, doing what I can right now to to be prepared for it. Okay, so you don't know when you're flying. I personally don't know when I'm flying, but I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure it's it's known somewhere around the building. <laughs> Friday sometime, right? <laughs> yeah, Friday. I would I would assume it's going to be Friday morning. Uh, kind of around the same time that we would travel uh, for a a Saturday night game or a Saturday evening game. Okay, obviously the college football playoff ranking is just pathetic, right? Um, How do you guys feel about it, and do you feel like this is a game that can vault you into the top ten there maybe? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, seeing the, the the college football playoff rankings when they first came out, it was it was a disappointment and it was frustrating. And obviously, we don't agree with it. We we believe that you know we're we're easily one of the top teams in the country, and uh, you know all that does is just fuel us uh, fuel us for these big time games, you know, like the one we're about to play. And uh, it just you know gives us opportunity to you know kind of just continue to show the country you know what BYU football is about. Troy Warner with us on BYU Sports Nation. Given the condensed time frame here to prepare for a top 20 team, 
naturally there's some concern for BYU fans. Oh, is there an, is it enough time to prepare? But Coastal Carolina is doing the same thing with you guys. Typically, how much time do you need to feel prepared for any given opponent? I mean, I feel like you can never feel too prepared. Uh, we've, you know, on certain bye weeks, we prepared for a couple weeks at a time. And, we've, I mean, there, there's just no way, like, you, you just prepare as much as you can for any team. And, and for this team, uh, obviously, we just, just getting them scheduled, uh, it, it presents a little bit more of a challenge just getting, you know, the, the, the right, right amount of time uh, to prepare for them. But I feel very, very confident, very comfortable with, with the plan that we have for them. And uh, I know that it's gonna, it'll be good for us come game day. Okay, there's two fun elements to this game. Obviously, game day, and that's not even one of them, but that's going to be awesome. Uh, Teal Field and 5,000 fans in the stands, Troy. What do you think of those two things? Uh, yeah, I mean, Teal Field, I kind of think of Boise, Blue Field. I mean, the, the color of the field doesn't really bother me, honestly. Uh, and then, and obviously, when we have any opportunity to get fans, that's always exciting because uh, fans are what fuel fuel these games, these type of games. And so, any fans that we can play in front of is going to be good for us, uh, good for good for the environment. And uh, you know, I'm just excited for it. Troy, if you follow BYU football on social media, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, <laughs> the large emoji eyeballs came out in droves <laughs> yesterday. So it's become like this universal signal of, oh, something something big is happening for BYU football. We all assumed it was scheduling news. It turns out it was. What was the text conversation like between teammates? You know, so so going inside of all of the eyeball emojis, what, what were the conversations like between you and your teammates when you found out about this? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, we're, we were just super excited that we were getting the opportunity to play uh, before that they, before we knew that, that coastal Carolina was, was who we were going to play. We, we were just basically talking about all the, all the different teams that we could have played. And, uh, but yeah, other than that, we were just kind of chatting around and then I, I started to see the little googly eyes and whatnot. And then I saw Jack the Mooney's post and, and, you know, that kind of had me going. So, uh, yeah, it was all fun though. I'm sitting watching the St. John's game with like a hundred other people here in Connecticut, Troy, and I can't even watch the game. I'm glued to Twitter. Like the timing could not have been worse, but the guys got it done on the uh, basketball court. I wanted to ask you about Kai Nakua being upgraded to the active roster on the Niners with your bro- uh, brother Fred. They're going to play the Bills on Monday in Phoenix. There's a lot of awesome there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, we all seen what Kai Nakua can do. Uh, we saw what he was able to do uh, in his career at BYU, and, and you know I expect I expect that kind of Kua to to transition into the NFL and be that same kind of player. He's just that kind of athlete, and you know he plays that well. Uh, so I'm I'm a uh, I'm very happy to see that he's having success, and and hopefully he can he can bring uh, you know some more success to the Niners this year. Troy, if you had a message to BYU fans about what type of BYU team is going to show up on Saturday, what would you tell them? Uh, just expect the best version of us that you've seen this year. Uh, that's that's what we're striving towards, and that's what that's what we plan on doing is bringing the best version of BYU football. Uh, so it's, I know it's going to be a scary sight to see. Hey, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. You know how it works. Go and get it done on the teal field in front of 5,000 fans, man. We are stoked. Can't wait to watch you play in South Carolina against Coastal Carolina. Thanks, Troy. Yes, sir, baby. Go Cougs. 
Troy Warner on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I'm so stoked for this game, man. This is going to be awesome. Troy is obviously one of a bunch of seniors and veterans on this team. They would have been ready had they said, Friday you're going, Friday morning. You know what I mean? Like, BYU was so ready for this matchup, and this is going to be an awesome showcase opportunity. Who, who would have thought a couple years ago we'd be excited about a game with Coastal Carolina? You know what I mean? <laughs> do most people even know that Coastal Carolina exists? I mean, that, that's... They do. They, they do, do now. Absolutely. Game day is going there. Conway said we're learning all these things. Shanta clears and Teal Field. And it's, this, this, is a show, this is the biggest game in Coastal Carolina uh, athletics history. Easy. Probably, right? Easy. And BYU's in, in this. So this is awesome. It's so exciting. Yeah, I mean, aside from the uh, crazy run they went on the College World Series with their baseball team to win the national championship a few years ago, this is probably number two on that list. This, this I don't know. I think this is one, dude. This is football. Let's go. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Lucky number 13. All right, Jerem, based off the first two editions of the college football playoff rankings, what is the ceiling for BYU now in the CFP poll in 2020? Listen, there's a Michael Jordan steakhouse here at the Mohegan Sun, but it is closed until further notice. But he did say the ceiling is the roof. Mm. Whatever that means. So I think it's somewhere in the top 10 still. I'm, I'm hoping that teams lose ahead of BYU and that teams behind BYU don't impress enough to leapfrog BYU. So let's walk through it. I think there are four teams that could slide a little bit. Number five, Texas A&M. They've got Auburn and Tennessee. Maybe they lose one of those. But a two-loss Texas A&M still might be ranked ahead of BYU given the way the committees approach this. Cincinnati, they play Tulsa next week. They don't have a game this week, of course. But uh, maybe Tulsa wins, but I don't know if Cincy would slide that far, right? Five or six spots, depending on if BYU goes up a spot or two. Miami plays Duke this week, but then ranked North Carolina. I think if Miami loses, that BYU will be ranked ahead of Miami. Because that means they would have had lost in the two biggest games of the season. And then number 12, Indiana. Lost quarterback Michael Penix Jr., as I mentioned yesterday, to an ACL. At Wisconsin this week. So maybe the Badgers do BYU solid. Because if BYU climbs into the top ten... I'm very confident if they're sitting in the top 10 on December 20th, they'll be in a New Year's Six. It's at 13 or even 12 where I'm like, "Eh, I don't know, man. 11, it's like, eh, probably. But top 10, pretty confident BYU would be selected and probably the Fiesta Bowl. Our friend Ralph Russo pointed out yesterday on Twitter that it's not insignificant that BYU jumped up one spot because now they're just one spot away from the top 12. But I'm with you. I want BYU to be at least number 11 to feel more solid about the Cougars actually getting into a New Year's Six game. Wisconsin's going to beat Indiana this week. I don't think Indiana has enough to recover from the loss of their starting quarterback. Hey, Utah fans, remember Jack Tuttle? Uh, yeah, now he's starting for Indiana. <laughs> Unbelievable, but I don't think he Go. has enough to beat yeah. Wisconsin. Okay, I, I've never bought in on Miami. They're going to lose to North Carolina. Here's what I'm afraid of. North Carolina lost... And went up two spots in yesterday's college football playoff poll. So what happens if they beat number 10 Miami? Is North Carolina going to jump BYU? Like, could, could that happen? Don't they have three losses? I, I, I 
cannot wrap my mind around losing and jumping two spots. This is bizarro world that we are living in with the college football playoff. There are no parameters. And it feels like the narrative changes based on whoever the team is. I'm looking at the strength of schedule. Like the way that Gary Barta phrased his uh, his reasoning for putting BYU at only number 13 was entirely contradictory to what how he defended Ohio State. Look, I get Ohio State's got yes. 20 NFL guys on the roster. We all know it. They recruit at the highest level. They are a perennial power. But all I want is for BYU to be treated in the New Year's Six conversation like Ohio State is treated in the top four college football playoff conversation. Well, we can't really blame Ohio State for the schedule and for COVID. But then they go to BYU and say, well, they should have played a tougher schedule. What? You, you just defended Ohio State. With the same reasoning yes. now that you're punishing BYU. So I'm not saying, hey, BYU should be in the top four. But treat them in a New Year's Six conversation and give them the benefit of the doubt that way with the schedule, like Ohio State is being given the benefit of the doubt to be in the top four. It just makes no sense to me, Jim. makes no sense. Narrative changes so based on the team. Yes, the, the buck nuts, you know, I, yeah, yeah, it's tough. At uh, Kirk Bowles. Uh, writer for what, the Austin American Statesman, I think. It's totally absurd that BYU is ranked 13 in the college football playoff. I'm guessing if unlimited scheduling is possible and the Cougars were 25-0, and 0, they might be 12th. <laughs> Put them in SEC uniforms, they might be third. It's so true. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Jerem, the non-conference schedule for BYU basketball is about to heat up. A big six games in a row starting with USC today, followed by St. John's. Then BYU goes on the road to Logan and Utah State, only to take on Boise State, then Utah, then San Diego State. Holy cow, there's a ton in front of BYU. What does BYU's non-conference record, after all is said and done, need to be for a comfortable foundation in the at-large selection conversation? Yeah, it's a good discussion. BYU is going to play 11 non-conference games, 3-0. and Obviously, BYU should beat Texas Southern and Weber State to get to at least five. So I'm thinking 8-3 and three would be a good spot. If BYU is 9-2 or better, they're in a really good spot. And that's assuming that BYU plays pretty well in WCC play. Of course, it used to be 18 games. Gonzaga wanted it to be 16 games, so that's what it is in league play. If BYU can do something like 13-3, and 12-4, and four, I, I think they'll be in a pretty good position. But it does depend on who BYU beats and where. BYU does need some quad one wins. San Diego State, you'd think, will be a quad one opportunity. And then outside of that, USC and St. John's, we're hoping that these, being neutral games, they need to be in the top 50 on Selection Sunday to be a quad one game. So USC and St. John's are kind of quad two-ish right now, but it's early. We'll see how these two teams play out. They're quad one names, which matters to the committee, but they might be quad two games. So root for the Trojans and root for the Red Storm to do well this year. I'm thinking eight and three would be good. Boise State's better than you think. Utah and Utah State, BYU's probably better than those teams. Uh, Utah State's still a little TBD, but when they lost to South Dakota State by 24, it was like, okay, South Dakota State's one of those 13 seeds that beats a four type team. But that's a game where you go, whoa, is Utah State way worse with Sam Merrill? I I thought they were still going to be good, and I think they will be, but how good is the question? 
Well, in Utah State and Logan is an entirely different conversation. So that will be a tough game for BYU. And, Jeremy, I just think because there are fewer opportunities for BYU to impress, I don't know that they, that they can afford three losses. So I have BYU, if they want to feel comfortable in non-conference, they probably have to go 9-2 and two because BYU is going to get Boise State at home. They're going to get Utah at home. they got to either beat Utah State or San Diego State on the road, and then BYU probably has to split in Connecticut win out the remainder of the non-conference to go 9-2 and two to feel comfortable. That, this isn't the end-all, be-all, per se, because BYU plays in the West Coast Conference, and they're going to be playing Gonzaga two, maybe three times, St. Mary's two, maybe three times. So there will be opportunities in the WCC, but if we're talking strictly non-conference to feel comfortable moving into the at-large selection, yeah, probably 9-2. and two. And I think... Even though BYU, according to Ken Palm, will be an underdog in the next six games, which is just wild, I feel like they'll come out on top in the majority. So I have it at 9-2, and two, pretty close to you. You're at 8-3 and three before BYU really gets things going in West Coast Conference play. Yeah, and he's, uh, Ken Palm's got BYU as a 63% chance to be Boise State. He added it today. He didn't have it on there yesterday. Oh, okay, so okay. That'll be interesting. And, and Mark Pope said this is the kind of schedule that gets you fired. So we'll see how BYU does through these six games because it's certainly a new test. And, and BYU certainly impressed the first three games, winning by at least 22, shooting over 50%, ma- making a 10 plus threes in all three games. That was exactly what BYU needed to do. The only real uh, you know, mark there was Gavin Baxter's injury. Just a real bummer on everything BYU is doing because he wasn't a dude that was coming off the bench that could be good. He was a starter. They loved him. And he was so unselfish in what he did last year, uh, coming back for those seven games, helping BYU beat Gonzaga. And here we are. He would have matched up nicely with the Mobley brothers tonight against USC. Oh, no question. BYU is going to miss his athleticism, his length. Fortunately, they have a rich of height and size. I mean, it's, it's just they, it's an entirely different dynamic <laughs> compared to last year when you have Matt Harms. Uh, there at seven three and Richard Harward, and hopefully um, Colby Lee can continue to play well. Are we Colby Leavers this year? We all were last year. How much will his role increase with Gavin Baxter out as well? So uh, the BYU depth being tested early, but man, it, these games in Connecticut specifically back to back days. If we're talking about getting to eight and three, nine and two, these feel extra big because I like BYU's chances at home against Boise State and Utah. And I like their chances in Logan against Utah State based on what we've seen from the Aggies. But these neutral site games, because we don't know a ton about USC and St. John's specifically, man, these feel huge tonight. Yeah, and being on ESPN2 is a big deal as well, right? Uh, So BYU has a chance tonight to impress, and let's hope they do it because here we are in Bubbleville. BYU with an opportunity to say, hey, we're still good from last year despite losing Childs, Toulson, and Haas, USC, St. John's, Utah State. I think this is the biggest week of the season. I really do. I think this week will go a long ways in determining whether BYU has an at-large shot or not. The first road game of the season resulted in a loss for the men's basketball team. Here's my recap of the carnage. Well, it didn't go very well in game one here at the Mohegan Sun. BYU lost USC 79-53. to it was a tough shooting game, to say the least, for the Cougs, making 28% from the field and 23% from three. You know, we had shots available to us on every offensive rebound. We just got sticky. Not only did we get sticky inside, but we also got, we also got 
distracted on the perimeter where we normally run to gaps for those shots. It's what we do on the offensive end. We sprint to open spaces for shots. We didn't. We end up standing. It felt like we were standing all night long. BYU missed 18 of its last 19 shots to end the first half. The Cougars finished with 15 offensive rebounds, but zero second-chance points. You think you're going to have 15 offensive rebounds, it should be really, really productive for you, and it was not for us tonight. That's really, really disappointing. Something we got to fix. We, we have Clearly, we have to get better. It was the Cougars' first resume-building opportunity, and it didn't go well. We had no pace to the game. Um, the ball was sticky all night. We were a little bit muddy. So, I mean, philosophically, that, that was it. And, and, and uh, we just kind of gradually became, uh, became unhinged in the sense of we just stopped doing every little thing. Listen, we set up the schedule so that we would find out who we are, and we're finding out who we are right now. And, and that's always a good thing in the sense that it gives you a chance to get better. We have to respond. It's a quick turnaround for BYU. who plays St. John's today at 5 Eastern time. St. John's, they just, they're like dogs. They they give it their all and they send not just one guy, but they send like two or three guys to the ball. And so it's definitely going to test us and it's definitely going to show how we respond. I know Mike Anderson really well. He's a great coach. I know they bring a ton of pressure um, for, for every second of every minute of the entire game. Uh, so I know that'll be a huge challenge for us. Um, but, you know, more than the opponent right now, I'm worried about us. I'm going to go drown my sorrows in some crispy grit. How are the donuts this morning? <laughs> Good. A little, a little stale. There's no microwave up here to warm up, but... Oh, All right, so... Eat your feelings. Was the USC loss an outlier or cause for concern? Well, BYU had a bad day, and it's always a concern when you have a bad day, yeah. but I feel like it is an outlier. Now, if BYU doesn't show up today and they shoot 28% from the three-point line and under 30% as a team again and lose by 20-plus then maybe we have a conversation about something bigger. But I just feel like BYU played their worst game of what will be the entire season. I don't think BYU can play worse or shoot worse than they did yesterday. USC is also a really good, long, athletic team. Terrible matchup for BYU if they can't make three-pointers. Against a team like USC, especially BYU lives and dies by the three. They just didn't make shots, and sometimes that happens. So, yeah, on the day, cause for concern, but I expect BYU to show up and be more competitive and have better energy and do what Coach Pope talked about yesterday, get into their gaps for their open shots, be more confident, hopefully uh, a little bit more time shooting on those rims in the Mohegan Sun and some acclimation will help BYU. But, yeah, I – I don't think BYU's going to play a worse game all season. So concern in the moment, yeah, but unless BYU is as equally as bad today, then for me it's not like a panic button right now. Yeah, it's an outlier. Is BYU going to miss 50 shots in a game this year again? (laughs) 50! 19 of 69. BYU took 69 shots. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I was more concerned by what Mark Pope said after the game, which was uh, effort at times and didn't compete at times, that's concerning. Yeah. But I don't see that happening again. Um, there was a timeout where I watched Mark Pope lay into the guys, did not address anything on the whiteboard. It was just a principal discussion. I couldn't hear exactly what he was saying, but all I heard was him yelling, high-pitched, ever, ever. So he was really upset. I thought they responded well after that. 
By the way, it's a little cold in the gym. A lot of dudes in long sleeves mm. that aren't in the game. Like Greg Rubel, Mark Duran a little bit, even even several members of the coaching staff. I was wearing a jacket, so I'm not saying that's why they shot poorly because USC competed in the same stuff. I'm just saying it's just kind of cold in there. And so hopefully BYU heats up from the field to use a uh, sports cliche. Hey, Jerem, every team has bad days. Just ask Iowa State football, who lost by 17 at home to a Sunbelt team, yet they're given forgiveness, so it's going to be okay if BYU bounces back, right? I hope so. <laughs> Beat we St. Jones. Yes, that is true. All right, Cougars and Chanticleers tomorrow at 5.30 Eastern on ESPNU. That is still subject to change, potentially. We'll see if that moves up to a uh, more visible network. Both teams 9-0. and Vegas says BYU is a 10-point favorite. In fact, Grayson McCall, the quarterback for the Chanticleers, tweeted a picture he printed out of that line. Uh, in front of his locker, so he's aware. ESPN's FBI gives BYU a 67% chance to win. Spencer, what's your group of five anxiety index on this one? <laughs> Let's keep the brand rolling. I had a few people ask me about this on Twitter, and uh, my answer to that question originally was about 35 to 40%. And you know how this works, Jerem. I, I usually think, okay, if these teams played 10 games, how many do I think that BYU would probably win in the given circumstances, on the road, limited preparation time. And I think I'm actually going to push that number a little bit lower. I feel confident in this BYU team. So I'm going to say 30% that uh, Coastal Carolina pulls off a shocker as a double-digit dog against BYU on their home field. But if I feel like they played the game 10 times in these circumstances, BYU would win seven of them. I really am bought into the fact that BYU is anxious, playing with the chip on the shoulder to prove something to the college football playoff committee. What did we all say when BYU was ranked number 14 in that original college football playoff poll? The overwhelming response was, I feel bad for the team that has to play BYU next because the Cougars are going to go gangbusters. Well, that team just so happens to be 18th ranked and undefeated Coastal Carolina. So what type of team is going to show up for BYU? I think it's going to be the one that has been anxiously waiting to play anybody and prove a point to Gary Barta and the rest of the Lilburn Boggs college football playoff committee, Jerem. Nice. I'm all in on the Cougars showing up with an attitude and with physicality ready to rock. Yeah, I think BYU is anxiously engaged in a good good cause of their own free will and choice as well, right, in this one. I'm excited about BYU to finally match up with a team that, that could put up a fight, question mark. UTSA was the outlier. Boise State did not. Eh, Four-string quarterback. Listen, BYU, Boise State's not going to outscore BYU that day, okay? So here we go. Coastal Carolina is a team that on a normal year you wouldn't say, oh, man, this is going to be a tough game. But I think this will be a tough game for BYU. However, I think BYU will dominate in the trenches, and that will lead to success. Look at what uh, Louisiana did against Coastal Carolina. On 30 carries, allowed 7.9 yards per carry in that game. 7.9. You don't think Tyler Algier and Brady Christensen and all these guys are, are licking their chops for an opportunity against that, uh, against that team? BYU ninth in offensive success rate this season, by the way. I think that will bode well. Tyler Algier is going to have 100 yards in this game. By the way, I'm excited to hear if Lopini Katoa's ankle is okay for this game as well. 
BYU, eighth in yards per carry allowed, 2.9. Only three rushing touchdowns allowed. Coastal Carolina runs the ball 64% of the time. I think that plays into BYU's hand. And as Hans Olsen pointed out yesterday, the center for Coastal Carolina is 5'9", 285. Kairos Tonga is staring at a juicy steak Saturday afternoon. He is going to have his way on the defensive line. I think it's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Defensively, Coastal Carolina pretty good. 31 sacks, 11 takeaways, including five from my boy D. Jordan Strong, who has a pick six as, as well. So Coastal Carolina is good. I just think BYU is better. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Today is about football and about Coastal Carolina. Yeah, we've got to learn more about them. And we recorded this uh, this morning, this conversation with Joe Cash and the play-by-play voice with uh, Coastal Carolina. He taught us a lot and we learned about what's at stake, teal not aqua, Fans in the stands, all kinds of information. If you don't know anything, which I didn't know as much as I know now after this conversation, check this out. Joe Cashin, voice of the Chanticleers on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. All right, Joe, the last, I don't know, 12 hours were pretty crazy, but uh, BYU fans are very excited about this matchup with Coastal Carolina. How have the last 12 hours been for you? Insane. I mean, this has just been crazy. You know, we're all we're all prepared for Liberty to come in here and uh, renew an old rivalry, and we're excited about that. And you know, around lunchtime yesterday, we saw that they may have you know had some COVID problems going on, and some of those guys were testing positive, and that kind of you know kind of really threw a, a damper on things and kind of threw some doubt as to whether we were going to play them. And then as the day kind of developed, and the next thing you know the rumors start going about, hey, you know, BYU may be ready to step in. And (laughs) I thought, oh, wow. You know, I mean, we really wanted the Liberty game. But if that doesn't come about, then maybe this comes to fruition and we get a blockbuster Saturday game that they can, you know, everybody can make it work. And so here we are. They made it work. Indeed they did. And it's not just that it's BYU and Coastal Carolina and 9 O's and uh, the best of the rest kind of thing here, but College Game Day was already going to be there. So BYU slides into this amazing moment in Coastal Carolina history as well, which Saturday is going to be the game day being there for the first time ever and the game. I mean, this is a massive day. Unbelievable. Uh, just incredible. I mean, it's going to be great exposure for both our universities, really. And just to get game day on our campus, all of the stars kind of aligning here in 2020 to have that happen. You know, it's unfortunate maybe that obviously some other schools couldn't play. And, you know, here you know, here we are. You know, we're, we're not Ohio State. We're not Alabama or Clemson. And, you know, that's obviously where game day would love to go and, and and showcase those those teams but i mean here we are with this golden opportunity now two undefeated teams at nine and zero coming in and game day you know obviously like you talked about coming in for our liberty game and then you know when that doesn't happen here comes byu you know ranked in the top 10 and both of us you know fighting for position in the college football playoff it's just amazing and it'll be great exposure again for both of our institutions and hopefully you know, these two teams can put on a great show saturday Let's talk about the matchup, but first we need to get a few uh, clerical things out of the way. So is it is the color aqua? Teal. 
Teal. Teal. Okay, I'm a Mariners fan. Teal. I, I get it. Teal. Okay. Teal. And then Chanticleers. Canterbury Tales. Yep. The Chanticleers, S-H-O-N-T, Chanticleers from Canterbury Tales. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so we got those out of the way. Let's talk about the game. So, obviously, BYU has been looking for a game to elevate itself into the top 10-ish to try and get into New Year's Six come December 20th. Coastal Carolina on the other end, second highest ranked group of five team hoping to be a New Year's Six team. Should Cincinnati lose, potentially, this benefits uh, Coastal Carolina in that way. Was that the motivation, you think, for getting this game? Because the conference title game, that's already kind of set, right? Even though Troy and then Louisiana, the motivations behind this are different for both teams, and both teams need a win. No question about that. A win for us is, I mean, just just playing this game really is a win-win for Coastal as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you know, I, you know BYU is open. This is the favorite. They're ranked higher than us, and they're obviously jockeying for position. Uh, and, uh, you know, clearly we are too, hoping that, you know, if Cincinnati stumbles along the way and we can continue this role, we're going to go to a good bowl game regardless. I mean, this year has been great for us no matter what happens down the stretch. And like you mentioned, after this week, you know, scheduled for Troy and then the Sunbelt Championship game against a ranked Louisiana team. But, you know, the, the pluses so far outweigh the minuses to, to get this game on tap. And then, you know, to keep college game day in town, I think was a big motivating factor too. I mean, you know, you, you had a, already had a top 25 matchup, and now you got one that's, you know, teams ranked even higher you know, with BYU coming in. So to keep college game day around and, and, and give us the opportunity and, and give BYU also the opportunity to score some points as well, and win-win for everybody. This quarterback matchup is going to be awesome. So Zach Wilson for BYU. Grayson McCall's had a tremendous year so far. Uh, 25 total touchdowns, 20 passing, 5 rushing, 67% completion percentage, 10 yards per attempt. He's been really good this year too. This is going to be a showcase game for those guys as well. No doubt about that. I'm looking forward to watching Zach Wilson play. And I'll tell you this about Grayson McCall. I mean, he's been, he, he's been everything, you know, for this offense. I mean, we have kind of struggled a little bit at the quarterback position the last couple of years. We've got some capable guys that can play, but Grayson is, I mean, he's, he's just a little bit better, you know? I mean, he makes plays in the pocket. He gives the time, he gives the, the play time to develop down the field. You know, a lot of guys you'll watch, they'll just take off. First read's not there. Out the gate they go, but Grayson doesn't do that. He'll buy himself some time. The offensive line this year for Coastal has been great to give him that time. He'll climb the pocket, step around me, he'll move off his spot a little bit, and then he'll find somebody. And he's just been he's just been phenomenal for us all season long. And I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going through the notes now, just looking at the stats, and you know, two of the top rated quarterbacks in all of college football. It, it ought to be great to watch these two go at it Saturday. Where did this season come from, Joe? Because I'm seeing three and nine, five and seven, five and seven, and then boom, nine and zero. Oh. <laughs> That's a great question. I wish I really <laughs> I had a true answer for that. I'll tell you this. I mean, we made the FBS move, and you know, our first year was 2017. We moved to the Sun Belt Conference. We were really, really good at the FCS level, and then we got the invite to move up. And we struggled, you know, to get our recruiting where it needed to be, to get our facilities where they need to be. You know, we struggled out of the gate, as you mentioned, three and nine, and then back-to-back five and seven seasons. But last year, we were not that far off. We really were. You know, I've always been a guy that believes that your record indicates who you are. You know, you are what your record says you are. We were five and seven last year. We were not a winning football team, but we were 24 points away in four games of having that completely flipped. 
you know, a play here in the Georgia Southern game and we win. We get a late stop against Arkansas State and we win that one. ULM, we lose by three in the fourth quarter. We've been able to turn those games into wins this season. And a big part of that, again, is our quarterback play and that we have been able to stay healthy on defense. You know, we took some ma- massive hits last season as the, as the year progressed. We couldn't keep our ones healthy across the board. Knock on wood, we've been able to do that this season. I mean, everybody has started every single game over there. It's been remarkable. And we've got some NFL talent on that side. And so to be able to, you know, stay healthy, get a little more, a bit more experience and have the senior leadership that we've had this year, that, that, those are the big things. And then Jamie Chadwell, you know, the, the, the culture that he has instilled in his third season is just, you know, these guys have bought into it. They believe, they, they, they believe in each other. They believe in the coaching staff. It's just been a, a remarkable run to watch this this season. It really has. We're talking with Joe Cashin, the voice of the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. Fun connection with uh, the, the president uh, coming up here in a month, Michael T. Benson, who is the grandson of Ezra Tapp Benson, who was the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, went to BYU, and then he's been all yep. over the place. But there's, there's a little fun connection there between these two. I tell you, nobody's more fired up than he is about this, a BYU grad. And, of course, he takes the reins here pretty soon. And I really I really like Dr. Benson. I've talked to him a couple of times and really like what he's going to bring to the table here at Coastal. Very excited about him coming in here. And, and he's a, a big supporter of athletics. And, and that that's, that's going to be big for us. And you know, no, nobody, I don't think, any more excited to see this actually come to fruition than he is. He, he's a, a dynamic individual and, and love having him here in Conway. Always good to have a president who got buckets before, right? That's always a good thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, yep. <laughs> we, have a, we, have, we have a common opponent, Coastal Carolina and BYU, at Texas State. That's who the Chanticleers played last week. And it was almost the exact score between BYU and Texas State and Coastal Carolina and Texas State. A differentiation of three points. 52 for BYU, 49 for Coastal, 14 for Texas State in both. I don't know how to exactly compare these two teams. Both have been extremely impressive. BYU winning games by a bunch. Coastal winning games by 22 uh, you know, both 9-0, and both in the top 20 or 15, depending on which poll you look at. Yet a line came out today saying BYU by 10. Do you feel like that's too many points? Is that fair to start? You know, I mean, that, that that's kind of a – that's a little more than I might have expected, but who knows that kind of stuff, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, our only common opponent is Texas State. We would have also had Troy, too, you know, had our – Troy right. game not gotten postponed until next week, and BYU sure took care, uh, took care of business against Troy early in the year. But, uh, you know, lines are what they are. I mean, we, we were a seven-point favorite against Liberty, and I thought the matchup between us and them was going to be really, really close. Statistically, like you just talked about, BYU Coastal, very close. It was very close with us and Liberty. But, you know, I, I – you know, 10 points. BYU's impressive. You know, the games I've gotten to see, I haven't watched them a lot, but the ones I've watched, the stuff that I've seen, well, they look awfully good out there, and we look awfully good. But, you know, it's going to be at our place. And I think I think if, if I were a betting individual, which I'm not, I'd probably take Coastal with the points in this one. We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. It should be a lot of fun again. Yeah, and in the end, BYU uh, had not played a ton of Sunbelt teams all time, but this will be the third Sunbelt team this year with at Texas State and Troy, now Coastal Carolina. Listen, BYU scrambled to get a schedule together, and now they will have played three Sunbelt teams. Hats off to the Sunbelt. We love you guys. 
<laughs> well, I say hats off to BYU, too, for being able to put together a schedule when everything got blown up. You know, we didn't even know in August if we would be you know, even be able to play football here in 2020. And a lot of teams had that happen to them. You know, schedules just going by the wayside. You know, we, we, lost, we lost several opponents, you know, due, due to, you know, conferences deciding, okay, we're just going to keep it in-house. We're going to play these conference-only schedules. And, and that, that hurt us. We, we should have played South Carolina. We had Eastern Michigan on the schedule. We had another FCS game that, you know, we had to scramble and fill. And, you know, Liberty was one of those fill-in kind of games that we were able to get. But hats off, I would say, to both, you know, the, the Sun Belt teams that were able to, you know, to get on BYU schedule and BYU, you know, the, their leadership for being able to go out and, and grab these kind of games and being ready to play in something like this. You know, I know that, you know, the, I'm not sure what all went on with BYU-Washington. That doesn't, you know, concern me or I have no dog in that fight but for BYU to be ready to come to Conway to come across the country you know on 48 hours notice you know 2,000 plus miles I mean that's hats off to that's off to BYU yeah BYU certain certainly didn't duck anything here we look forward to the massive day game day the matchup the quarterbacks the comparisons the top 15 it's going to be a ton of fun Joe we appreciate the insight Hey, thanks for having me on. This is so exciting. I've been blown up all morning long. People are like, can you give me tickets? Can I get in? And all this kind of stuff. I'm like, go on StubHub, see if you can get in there. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm excited about it. This should be a great matchup and a great showcase for both institutions. And I do want to ask before we finish, what is the fan situation? Are there fans? And if so, how many? Yes, 5,000 is the cap. We can fill the stadium about one quarter full. And I'll tell you what. If they show up like they did against Appalachian State, there will be a lot of noise in that place. It was amazing at the end of that App State game. 5,000 people making that much noise. It was incredible. Loved it. Should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of noise. If Coastal's in the ball game, this will be a good one. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Yeah, that's Joe Cashin on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. You know why we show how. Fun interview, fun conversation. I just went to StubHub right now. The <laughs> cheapest ticket is 480 bucks. Let's go. Holy shnikes. How many BYU fans are going to find their way into Brooks Stadium? <laughs> I, let's see, right? At Shad427. Just in case Coastal can't play, we should call the Pac-12 and ask them to be our backup. A great idea. <laughs> a great idea. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Well, the president-elect of Coastal Carolina is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a BYU grad, a return missionary. He's also been a president at Snow, Southern Utah, Eastern Kentucky, and now eventually Coastal Carolina in a month. He is perhaps the most interesting man in the world. His name is Michael T. Benson, the grandson of Ezra Tap Benson as well. I spoke with him earlier uh, this morning on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Okay, I don't know what to call you. Should I call you Michael T. Benson, Dr. Benson, President Benson? Well, some people call me doctor, and I say don't do that because I can't deliver a baby, nor can I fix your teeth. So uh, <laughs> you can just call me Michael. That's just fine. Thank you. That sounds great. Uh, this game is very exciting. And then when we found out the connection with someone who's not only a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but a return missionary and a BYU grad, and you've done a million other things, that's a fun connection with this game. Coastal Carolina and BYU, this is going to be awesome. 
<laughs> it really is fun. And as, as you kind of peel back the layers, uh, I got a call from a writer at the Desert News yesterday whose father taught for almost 20 or 25 years at Coastal Carolina, uh, Paul Peterson for the political science department there. And, you know, we've gone to church at the Middle Myrtle Beach Ward and met some uh, some faculty members, uh, even amidst the, the pandemic. And I look forward to meeting a lot more. But there's so many great connections. I told uh, somebody in the interview yesterday, I mean, half the BYU staff I know from our days at Southern Utah, we hired Ed Lamb as our coach back in, what, 2007. And so uh, the connections between our programs are, are I, I think, pretty uh, extensive, but also between the institutions, and I really hope this is a relationship that we can nurture and moving forward we can uh, keep playing each other. Yeah, Tom Homo mentioned that yesterday, that perhaps there's a return game in the works in the future for Coastal Carolina in Provo, and that would be awesome. So let's dig into your experience. Uh, you got your undergrad at BYU, and you graduated in 1990. So did you go to the Miami game? I know it was that fall. You probably would have graduated in April. Did you go to the Miami game? No, but we had a watch party at our apartment. Uh, I say our apartment. I was My roommate was a young man named Quinn DeMordon, who was at George Washington Med School uh, in Washington, D.C. I was working on Capitol Hill. So I took a year off between my undergrad and going to grad school in England. And when I say we had a watch party, I think there were six of us. <laughs> and it was a high-rise uh, in Roslyn, Virginia, and uh, we had to be very careful because our neighbors next door would bang on the wall if we were too noisy. So <laughs> it was kind of muffled cheering for the Cougars, but... I remember that. That was a huge win. And all throughout my undergrad days at, at BYU, I went to the games. Uh, we've been fans for a long time. And then, you know, as part of that, uh, I want to say left me, but when I went to work at the University of Utah after grad school, uh, I was kind of indoctrinated to become a Ute there for a little while, but never never kind of left my moorings at, at BYU. And uh, it's really fun to get reconnected. My two children, my oldest children, go there right now. And uh, so uh, to answer your question, yes, we did watch that game, and it was very exciting, and uh, there are so many great games that we could talk about, and we certainly hope that Saturday is one of them as well. And you got some buckets? You were on the JV basketball team as well? I did. I was a, a, a gym instructor at the NTC, and uh, four of my colleagues and I decided that we would go walk on at the JV uh, basketball team. This is in 1987. Uh, Liddell Anderson was the coach. Roger Reed was an assistant. And it was the year BYU got to, I want to say, number two in the country. Yeah. I mean, their lineup included um, you know, Mike Smith, Marty Haas, Jeff Chapman. And we practiced with them once in a while, but we were not that good. Uh, <laughs> it was fun to play in the Marriott Center. That was one of my dreams in life. And uh, we played, you know, went down the snow, played Ricks, played College of Eastern Utah. Uh, but had an unbelievable experience uh, just being around the program. And that was back in the day when they hosted the WAC tournament in uh, the Marriott Center. And so they would give us tickets, and I skipped school. I, I'm sorry, Mom and Dad, they both passed off, but uh, I don't want my kids to hear this. But I skipped school for a couple of days and just sat and watched game after game, including Tim Hardaway, who was the starting point guard for UTEP. And uh, I just have wonderful memories of both playing and practicing, but also watching games in the Marriott Center. Those are some fun times. We're talking to bucket getter and president-elect at Coastal Carolina, <laughs> Michael T. Benson. Let's talk about our Twitter interaction. So I, I quoted your tweet uh, where you talked about you know, the game, and I jokingly said, I wonder if this is real because he's not the president until January. And you said, it's real, my friend. It's very real. This is a convergence of two worlds for you, which is fun. You've been a lot of places as the president, and you've gone to school, right, Southern Utah, 
and uh, of course snow, and uh, more recently Eastern Kentucky. You've gone to school at BYU, what Oxford, Notre Dame. I'm probably missing some in there. You're you're teaching uh, or getting another degree at Johns Hopkins right now. I may have missed a bunch. But I, I'm just really impressed with, uh, and of course you're the grandson of Ezra Taft Benson. I'm just really impressed with where you've been and where you're going. I, I I think this is an exciting opportunity for BYU to to match up with Coastal Carolina, and you seem to be right in the middle of it. Well, you're trying to say that I'm I'm the last of six children, and my parents, um, may they rest in peace, gave us unbelievable opportunities that they never dreamed of having, and as a result, with those opportunities, we were expected to to do a lot with them. So. I've got some unbelievably accomplished siblings, and uh, I'm kind of the, the as the baby of the six. Uh, they've taken good care of me, and I've made sure I've tried to do my best with these these chances I've been given. But you're right; I'm finishing up a degree at, at Hopkins right now. I just finished a book on the first president at Hopkins that will come out next year. And so, when I was during the pandemic writing this book, the opportunity presented itself to go to Coastal Carolina, and I told the search committee, quite honestly, I said, "Look, I was a little bit salty toward you all for." quite some time because in 2015 it came down to three schools to take the last slot in the Sun Belt: New Mexico State, Coastal Carolina, and Eastern Kentucky. And I think when the site committee from the presidents went on, on location and saw what they had at Coastal, it, it, I mean, it was, the decision was, was made. Uh, it's a beautiful place, um, a, a pretty rich tradition for a school that's only been around for 75 years come 2029. It was founded in 1954 as a branch of uh, the University of South Carolina. And, of course, the proximity to the beach. And right after they were admitted to the Sun Belt, I want to say two months later, they won the national championship in baseball. Mm-hmm. So That was incredible. Great. Oh, I mean, they were America's team then. And uh, it's fun to see how the football team has really captured the, the nation's attention now. They're, as I told you, a great group of young men. Uh, their coaching staff is, is fantastic. They have a great time playing. And they play hard. And I think uh, BYU will see that it's good quality football in the Sun Belt. And I will say this, uh, Coastal's never seen a team quite like uh, BYU. I've watched most of their games this year, so it's going to be a very good matchup. Yeah, and and did you have much to do with the matchup? I I wonder if ESPN had something to do with that, slash BYU was just trying to get a game with a good opponent. And here, Coastal Carolina on the road, ranked, game day's already going to be there. This is as good of a situation as BYU could have gotten into. Well, I can't take credit for it because uh, in the last 48 hours or, or 72 hours, our athletic directors at both places and coaching staff really did the heavy lifting. I, w- I will tell you, I had a really good conversation with Tom Homo yesterday, and I've known Tom for a long time. And Back in October, I had, I had texted him and said, Tom, look, both of our teams are undefeated. Uh, what a great time to announce a home-and-home. And, home. and uh, he responded back and said they were BYU's really filled up until, I think, 2025 20, or 26. But let's talk in the future. Well, it just so happens the future was six weeks later <laughs> as opposed to six years. And, um, you know, I made a phone call or two, but I can't take the credit. I also have to, you know, tip of the cap to Liberty. You don't wish any ill on any of your opponents. And, what they're going through with COVID, especially their quarterback, who's just an unbelievable talent. We were really looking forward to, to hosting them. But when we got the call first thing Thursday morning that they were uh, kind of their, their, their ranks would be depleted with, with COVID cases, that's when really the wheels went into motion. It, you know, things are being were, were prepared prior to that, uh, kind of in the eventuality that something might happen. But uh, I certainly wish all the best for Liberty. 
we've been a rival with them for years. They were in the Big South with us until they broke away and became independent, much like BYU. So our AD, our coaching staff, uh, especially Tom, and, uh, of course, ESPN had a role in all this. And then to have game day on campus, uh, first ever time for a Sunbelt school to host game day, and we didn't want to lose that. So it's going to be a great environment. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate the time. It's the Chanticleers, the Teal, a top 20 matchup, game day. It's going to be a ton of fun tomorrow. Michael, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. You bet. My pleasure. Go Cougars and go Chanticleers. That was Michael T. Benson on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. You know why. We show how. Crazy connections, right? Hey, and what a savvy guy. Uh, he deserves every good thing that's happening to him. I just, I really enjoyed that interview a lot. Yeah, and hopefully they come to Provo uh, in the next couple of years, although it feels like BYU's booked for a while. But uh, Houston's like, yeah, yeah, like 28, whatever. So we'll see when. <laughs> Join the conversation 24 7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. You probably heard about it. 2,200 miles later, they just arrived on location. It's the BYU Etripment Truck, guys. Uh, Hal Morell joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Hal, you guys did it. You made it. We did, yes. Congratulations. Uh, When did you guys pull into town? Um... At um, 11.47 local time. So how many hours was that total? Um, is What is it, 9? It's 10 o'clock Salt Lake time, so that's approximately about less than 37 hours. 37 hours. Wow. What was the trip like, and how did it go? Well, um, it, it was okay. I mean, you know, the, the prep time, normally I'll try to get a nap before we leave. But in this case, I, you know, I got a phone call at four o'clock and I had to be to Provo at eight to get in the truck. So there's no time for a nap. And I drove leaving Provo. And so I drove as long as I could, which got us into Nebraska. And I was done about 6 a.m. Salt Lake time. From there, Feely drove for the next um, 11 hours. And then um, I drove for the next 11 hours and he finished up the last three or four hours. In fact, he's still in the truck. He's trying to get it parked in the spot so that we can get the items that the hotel needs to have set off. You know, the projection screens, um, video gear for the TV people, as well as um, the um, the trainers. There, the the things that they need to make sure that everybody is in top shape to be ready to play football tomorrow. Hal, what was the first thing that went through your mind when you got the phone call that you were going to make the trip to Myrtle Beach 2,200-plus miles away? Well, it, it really it started last week when, when Billy Nixon called me and said that we may be headed to Cincinnati this week. And, um, and then when they had their COVID problem, I knew that wasn't going to happen. And then Billy and I talked on Monday, and he just says, you never know what can happen, and um, so, you know, I had no other plans for the weekend. If this had have been next weekend, I would have had real big troubles, but luckily this weekend it, it actually worked out. And my wife wasn't too upset. 
I took her to dinner before I left, and <laughs> she was okay with with uh, with me leaving. So, Hal, are you surprised by the reaction of Cougar Nation to what you guys have done? I'm shocked. Um, I, I will admit that as a little boy, you know, sports controlled my life. I wanted to be the next Willie Mays because I love baseball. And I would read my Sports Illustrated, and I would imagine and dream of myself being in Sports Illustrated as an athlete. And then when I got a phone call from the gentleman at Sports Illustrated wanting to talk about our trip, um, it, it kind of hit me that it took being a truck driver to get in Sports Illustrated. <laughs> and that's, we're talking probably 50 plus years later. So, um, but, but no, I, I'm shocked when I, when the gentleman at the Deseret News last night told me that there were thousands of hits on Billy's tweet site, um, I couldn't believe it. And my wife has been calling me all the time, telling me everything that's going on. Um, I've had friends send me text messages and, you know, my stake president sent me a text this morning saying, you're a rock star. <laughs> so um, it's um, it's it's really it is it is quite overwhelming. And all we're doing is trying to drive the truck and get here. But, yeah, it's, it's a little intimidating when when Billy tells me last night or Wednesday night at 930 that you're leaving, you drive, you never know. We're going to play football this weekend. We it may be at UCLA or it may be in in South Carolina, but we're playing football somewhere. So when I got up from my nap yesterday morning, there was a text telling me to keep on driving. And indeed so. you did. You arrived successfully. Congratulations. You became this awesome story. And this trip was your basket catch like Willie Mays for the Giants. Uh, like Willie Mays. Giants. You yeah. betcha. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Hal. We appreciate it. Congratulations. All right. Thanks. See you. Okay, that was Hal Morrell on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show Hal. Shout out to uh, his driving partner there, Philly Taufa, as well. How awesome was that, Spence? They did it, man. They left Wednesday night, and they got there a couple hours ago. They're the road warriors, man. They deserve all of this credit. They go largely unrecognized, so I was so happy to see Sports Illustrated do this story. Hal, Philly, well done. Glad you guys made it safe. In fact, uh, I'm hoping to see them later today uh, when we make our way over to the Teal because we are in the Teal territory now, Jerem. Yeah, and I said hours 20 minutes ago. That's when they arrived. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It is time for Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Okay, number five, Matt Harms. First points as a Cougar come on a slam dunk, a slammer like a good game of Pogs. I'm trade for that one against Utah Valley. Good to have him in that game. He's going to probably start today, I'm guessing. Jesse Wade, nice pass to Matt Harms for the dunk. His first points as a Cougar. I love that we can put together a top five just through three games. There have been some outstanding plays at number four, Gavin Baxter. Unfortunately, his season cut short by injury, but not before he could deliver one of the season's top five plays. Baxter, dunk you very much after the Richard Harward miss. You ain't going to miss him, but he'll be back, and according to Coach Pope, better than ever. 
Yeah, I'm just bummed. Cue the Sarah McLaughlin music. Like, I'm just sad. When right? I Gavin Baxter highlights. Number number three, Alex Barcelo finds Matt Harms with a no-look pass Saturday against Utah Valley. My only criticism is get this higher for the slam dunk. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 impressive for sure. Yeah, when you're 7'3", just put it anywhere close to the rim and that thing's going to get dunked. Yeah, six-inch vertical right there. Let's go, baby. At number two, Trevin Nell with some extra English to finish the up and under. Nell Ooh. finished with eight points. He was three for three in the game, and it took this shot to stay perfect. Well done, Trevin. A little bit, a little bit of Alex English there. Mm. And the top play of the men's basketball season for three games is Alex Barcelo's buzzer-beating three against Utah Valley to end the first half. Plus, he's got his mean mug on after it. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> the expression <laughs> is amazing. So intense. Oh, yeah. A-B for three. Those are the top five plays of the season thus far. Let's learn some more in a Know the Foe edition of Coastal Carolina. BYU Sports Nation asks, do you know the foe? The answer is no. Presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Ben Bagley always brings it here. What do you have for us, Ben? Oh, the answer is always no every week on this. Let's go Spencer first. Coastal Carolina gets its name. The Chanteliers from the Canterbury Tells. Chanticleers. Yes, Chanticleers. How many actual tells or stories actually comprise the Canterbury Tells? Just straight up. Uh, Here, I'll, no, I'll, I'll give you <laughs> options. I'll give you options. Oh, 70, 73, 42, 24, or 12. Oh, well, that was way off. Um, I'm going to go 24. It's a good thing I gave you options. That's correct. Very, yeah. Very nice. Just straight up. Uh, seven. All right, Jerem, which Masters <laughs> champion also attended Coastal Carolina? Ooh. Was it Dustin Johnson, Zach Johnson? Bobby Jones or Mark O'Meara? It's Dustin Johnson. That's correct. I knew that one. A little too recent? Yeah. All right. Spencer, which WWE Hall of Famer attended Coastal Carolina? (laughs) You would ask this one. Yes, I would. Was it Stone Cold Steve Austin, Diamond (laughs) Dallas Page, Kane, or Hacksaw Jim Duggan? I'm going to go Diamond Dallas Page. Wow. Nice job by Spencer. Didn't he do something like this? He, like, raised hand like that. Ben, is that true? Correct, he did. Oh, nice. Look at me. Look at me. Bringing it. All right. Which well-known game show icon is from Conway, South Carolina, Jerem? Is it Bob Barker, Chuck Woolery, Banna White, or Pat Sajak? I want to say Bob Barker just so I can say, Ben, the price is wrong. Is that your answer? Sure. And it is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Who was it? It was Vanna White. Sorry, I guess I should tell you that. I'll wrap things up, Spencer. Congratulations. You (laughs) You win. Oh, I always wish that segment was way longer. I love that segment. Congratulations on uh, Prop Picks. Spin the wheel of consequence again, dude. Oh, shoot. It it broke. (laughs) That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.